Hello and welcome to Army of Crime, the internet's only comic book related podcast. Uh, I am your host, Dustin, and I'm here with another host whose name is Matt. Hello, everyone. That was Matt right there. Yep. Uh, and on this episode of this podcast, we are going to talk about a comic book. And the specific comic book we're going to talk about is a graphic novel from the early 1980s called X-Men, God Loves, comma, Man Kills. This comic book is about God, I think. Matt, what is this comic book about? Well, okay, so... Um... There's a lot of ways we could answer that. So, yeah, this is from this um, time period when Marvel was doing, like, like graphic novels um, instead of... I mean, they were experimenting with the idea of putting out, like, graphic novels of, of some of their properties, which we've actually talked about several of them before because we did talked about the Doctor Strange one, and we talked about... Um, there was a Nick Fury one that we talked about. So, yeah, this... this uh, they were kind of experimenting with this graphic novel idea. So that's kind of where they come in x-men god loves men kills with graphic novel written by chris claremont who of course has written um a billion issues of x-men and yeah so the the premise of the x-men of course um is it's meant to be they're like a, a separate you know they're like some kind of social class social um or a class that's separate from quote-unquote normal humanity and so this allows you to tell stories about like prejudice or you know systemic oppression using using a made up group so you can kind of play fast and loose uh with the specifics if that kind of makes sense right that's like the premise of the x-men right is there mutants and people are scared of mutants um and throughout the history of the x-men and of course there's been times where their marvel is publishing like just like like truckloads like just back the dump truck of of x-men titles coming out up to the comic store um and and they play with this you know mutants are an oppressed you know minority or social class in in a variety of ways and, and sometimes it's kind of ignored and sometimes it's like the focus of it and i think with the graphic novel they're trying to hit some notes maybe that you wouldn't hit in a monthly and and they're trying to play a little more with that premise of you know the x-men are, are mutants and they're this like uh stand-in for oppressed or, or uh, people um, being subjected to systemic oppression or prejudice. Did I scaffold it for you? Well, you didn't answer my question of what this comic book is about. Okay, so that's the, that's the scaffolding up to the question. The question of what it's about, the storyline is that there's like this religious preacher who wants to kill off all of the mutants because he hates them. Because God. Yeah. Because uh, he's like a religious fanatic. So I think they're trying to tease out the dichotomy between uh, re religion being used for evil. And we could find historical parallels to this, I suppose. So we're drawing a historical parallel uh, between Marvel's fictional, you know, mutants and, you know, historic attempts at genocide or something like that. I, I think they're trying to hit some of those emotional notes uh, uh, that are buried in the premise of the X-Men, sometimes buried pretty deep. I will say, I think it's it's not an uninteresting premise, I suppose. You know, I, I, this, I think this comic enjoys a fairly, like a decent reputation amongst, um, amongst readers, you know? And... It is. I, uh, I, I, I don't have my finger on the pulse of what the X-Men comic book fan world is all about, but I believe this is a fairly highly well-regarded yeah. X-Men funny book. 
you can kind of see what they're aiming for. Um, the opening scene is they is somebody kills uh, some kids that are supposed to be mutants or whatever, you know, and strings them up. I think we're supposed to be thinking of it's supposed to be giving us um, comparisons to like Nazis, you know, hunting down or killing, you know, Jewish people, um, something like that. Well, the clearest uh, comparison I think that I thought of was just like a lynching. Right, right, right. If you want to make the parallel, you know, to U.S. history, certainly. Um, right. We could think of like the, the lynching of, um, you know, black people or ethnic minorities, um, you know, in U.S. history. Right. That could be that could be a parallel um, or, you know, just the use of religion to justify oppression or atrocities throughout U.S. history, which, you know, U.S. history, world history. You can find find parallels there. So that's that's the, the setup, I suppose. I feel like I feel like there's a couple things that we a couple angles you could talk about this with. And maybe this is kind of what you're going to going to is, is I think on some kind of level, I, I feel like the setup is there kind of meanders. I don't I, I feel like it's kind of a mixed result. I don't know if that's where you landed on. I to be honest, if you hadn't told me that this had a reputation of like being a classic X-Men comic book, I don't really wouldn't don't know that I'd really find it all that dissimilar from like any other like random issue of the X-Men. Yeah, because the premise, this idea of the X-Men as a metaphor for an oppressed class in the world is obviously something that goes back to the original uh, creation of the X-Men. And I don't feel like it's ever anything that has really made all that much sense and doesn't, I feel like, and the more you like try to like lean into that as a thing, I think the, the sillier it becomes. Like there's a part early in this comic where they, specifically make a comparison between somebody being called a mutie lover and someone being called uh, an n-word lover yeah uh, and i just i'm like th that's just like dumb because i mean I, I don't, we don't necessarily have to go all the way in on because but you know the x-men is also a superhero comic book yeah. right so you have superheroes and super villains so it's kind of uh, a little silly to then try to make the comparison between how people feel about these superheroes and supervillains with actual uh, real life oppression and like right. long long held like uh, systemic like racist views. Yeah, because like it's you know like you have Magneto or I mean I don't know the Blob or whoever are like actual supervillains with superpowers who try to like blow up the planet every other week, which is not something that really latches on metaphorically to any of these like readings that the X Men and Chris Claremont in particular. This that was I feel like something that he was super into. Like I feel like it pretty quickly like breaks down as a metaphor when you think about it for more than like thirty seconds. It's a very mixed metaphor because, of course, also in the story, um, in, in this period of X-Men history, the, people don't know that they're mutants and they don't know that Xavier is a mutant. So like the X-Men themselves are, are not really being targeted uh, because they're mutants. They're being targeted. I mean, they're being targeted because they're the X-Men, right? They're like the superhero team or whatever. Um, yeah, so it, it's a very mixed metaphor. Um, and yeah, it, this is a thing we talked about with these other Marvel graphic novels is there's parts where... Uh, you're trying to sell us on some kind of, like they're trying to elevate the material, if that makes sense. But then you still have like the costumes and they're like running around and they're like fighting robots and stuff. 
and it feels like you end up with something that's trying to be too many things at once? Well, you know, for better or for worse, I know, and the thing that I read was like the so-called extended cut, and I um, have no idea why this exists, but Chris Claremont talked about wanting to make sort of like an archetypal X-Men story that contained all of the most interesting like elements of the X-Men. And for better or for worse, I do feel like that maybe this kind of is that because it has this extremely like clumsy metaphor that they keep returning to. And then it has some like weird like death fake outs like constantly, like every character gets like quote unquote killed like off camera, like more than once. And then they're like, oh, just kidding. They're still alive. Yeah. Which I feel like is also kind of an X-Men thing. And yeah. then it also gets really wordy and like really preachy at points which is maybe just more specifically like a Chris Claremont thing, but also is perhaps like an X-Men thing. And then to go kind of directly against that, the extended cut has this framing device where Kitty Pride with her pet uh, dragon, and maybe you can tell me why Kitty Pride has a pet dragon because I don't read that many X-Men comics, walks up to, as far as I can tell, a random person and starts talking about Eric, who I assume is meant to refer to Magneto, and they're, like, referring to some specific events that happened recently, which I know nothing about. And she's like, let me tell you a story. And then that's, like, the story of this comic book. And then at the end, like, a woman in a robot suit shows up, and there's, like, a fight scene. And then, like... Uh, Kitty Pride gives this girl that she's telling the story to like a hat and tells her to go off and like join NASA or something. It's like this framing device basically goes against the idea of this being a standalone graphic novel by seeming to tie it into some extremely specific like X-Men storyline that must have been happening at the time. And it's and it's also really ugly looking. I can't remember who drew this framing device. And Brent Anderson, we should say drew this comic book. Um, I think someone else drew the framing device, but it, it looks fairly but ugly and is quite superfluous. And I have no idea who thought this was a good idea. Anyway, Matt, what did you think of X-Men God Loves Man Kills? I mean, I thought it was okay. I I, I do like some X-Men. I've read some X-Men um, comics. I would not consider myself an X-Men uh, aficionado, but I think you can play with that premise uh, and make it and make something of it. Like I'm thinking of um, Grant Morrison's run on the X-Men, for example. Um, yeah, you know, but so I, he, I, I feel like instead of leaning into the metaphorical uh, prejudice thing, kind of leans more into that these are like a separate race of humans that have these genetic uh, specific things going on that causes them to like mutate and like grow new powers and stuff. Um, which I think is a much more interesting take on the X-Men in that they're like an evolutionary like step up and they can continue to like change and evolve in certain ways, um, yeah. which I think is much more interesting and I think works much better for like a superhero title than going yeah. with the like racism I mean, he, metaphor. I mean, he, I think he uses that too, but he, of course he does the thing where Magneto, you know, Magneto is like the super Nazi. Because if you read the original X-Men by Lee and Kirby, Magneto is clearly modeled on being some kind of, like, racial supremacist dictator. 
And then, you know, throughout the years, they usually Magneto usually circles back around to becoming like a hero or an anti-hero character. Well, um, the idea of Magneto as a Jewish Holocaust survivor who's like the more militant Professor X, but who kind of wants the same thing, I believe was a Chris Claremont invention in the late 70s, early 80s. You mentioned, you know, there's a lot of death fake outs. The, the story kind of it's kind of a weird story because it's largely just based on them trying to set up this device or whatever. It's like it's. And then they go into like William Stryker's backstory, which I feel like is unnecessary. Like you don't need a backstory for why someone wants to like kill off people that they think are like a minority. Like I feel like we we understand why people like you know what I mean. It's not like if you have a comic book about World War Two, you need to take a segue to learn Hitler's backstory or whatever. So I didn't think that was necessary. There's an unfortunate sequence where Kitty Pride gets lost and meets like a a racially ambiguous um, oh, members. Yeah. And I, I was like, eh, this is like kind of actively racist uh, in a comic book about why racism is bad. Yeah. Um, and I, I felt like that was uh, pretty, pretty yikes. I award that sequence uh, 1.5 yikes. I did like in that sequence where there's like, it's like a mixture of like black and Latino gang members, but then there's like an Indian guy with a turban as well. Yeah. So right. it's like you have every like non-white uh, ethnic group in America, like in one street gang right. threatening to rape Kitty Pride. Yeah, and then like um, the police keep showing up to like heroically intervene. And yeah. if there's one thing that we know from American history is that if you're a racial or ethnic minority, you can always count on the police to help you. Yeah, that's definitely a place where he did not think to follow this like metaphor through in any yeah. in a logical way. Yeah, I mean, I would I would say I think you could I think you can use the metaphor. I think it can work, but like I feel like he's he's there's like way too many things happening here in too many different directions that it, it's very mixed. What you end up with is very mixed, and that's probably true of a lot of X Men comics. Um, and I think there's a lot of comics where they just ditch, like you're talking about, just kind of ditch the premise and go for like sci-fi. Yeah, that it's just like a superhero team who has wacky adventures. Yeah, right. And, you know, it'd make more sense, too, if everyone looked like Nightcrawler because, you know, Nightcrawler is like a good person. He's like a I think at one point he became a priest and then they had him not be a priest or whatever. But he looks like a, you know, like a vampire or something. Um, so obviously people are going to be scared of Nightcrawler. Um, but most of the X-Men just look like normal people. So their their ability to pass in the general populace with without effort, um, again, mixes the metaphor pretty, pretty severely. Well, like, and the fact that in the Marvel Universe, you have other people who have superpowers, like no one's scared of the fact that Thor could like destroy the entire human race if he felt like it. But right. if you're like, you know, Cyclops, then everyone's like racist against him. Right, uh, when because they, they got that... superpowers just from genetics instead of from being exposed to radiation or whatever. Yeah, like no one's. I don't know that they've ever adequately explained how that is supposed to work. Yeah, and yeah, that's that's yeah about how mixed it is. W one thing I thought, okay, one and you're probably gonna disagree. One thing I thought was a little interesting is at the end when Magneto's talking about how he should get to take over the world, and he explains how when he takes over the world, he's gonna fix everyone's problems and it will actually be okay. Um, and then, like, you can see the X-Men are, like, kind of buying into it a little bit. And I, I like the idea of, like, I don't know, just seeing into, like, the, the worldview of someone who wants to take over the world. Um, obviously, that's, like, a superhero, supervillain trope or whatever. Um, but... I mean, it does make Magneto, right, more interesting as a villain than he would have been in his original incarnation. 
but yeah. it is a fairly standard, you know, like I'm sure like Dr. Doom would say a similar thing about why he wants to take yeah. over the world. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, what I was, so I, I ultimately, I think Magneto ends up being like the most interesting character, um, which is probably why Claremont keeps trying to make him like a hero. I think he, he's actually just in the X-Men now. I think he has been for like decades now. He's just like just a guy in the X-Men or whatever. Um, yeah, a, a very mixed bag. And I think you, you gave, you're giving it like a thumbs down. Well, yeah, I don't find much to be about it to be distinctive or interesting really enough to recommend it over any other yeah. X-Men comic. Like I said, I haven't read a ton of X-Men comics, but maybe my favorite X-Men thing was like Grant Morrison's X-Men, which I thought was uh, extremely enjoyable. And like Barry Windsor Smith did some good X-Men comics. What was that like Weapon X? Like that yeah. was Barry Windsor right, Smith. Right, the, the, the Barry Windsor Smith like Weapon X miniseries. Um, I've read a good chunk of, of Chris Claremont's. Um, I don't know if I've read all of it. I don't know if anyone has read all of it. That's probably like a Guinness World Record if you read all of it. But I've read a, a solid chunk of it. And, you know, there's there's I think there's some gems um, in there. But, yeah, at, at its premise, it's like high sci-fi or like high fantasy is, is I think where it, where it really shines because like you said, um, the metaphor gets really mixed pretty easily. Or like in you know in Grant Morrison's X Men, Quentin Quire wants to be like the master race and he's like the evil nerd. I feel like the evil the evil nerd probably uh, is an even better character th now than it was then with like internet commentators and whatnot. Yeah. Um. You know, like like the evil pastor or the evil religious guy, like like okay, I'm on board, I'm on board, but th does it does it does it land here? Does it you know does it leave you with much? I don't know. I think didn't Batman have an evil religious guy? Yeah, De like, Deacon Blackfire in the cult. Later. I think is is what you're thinking of. Yeah, that was later than this, I guess. I mean, yeah. it's certainly you know like making a televangelist the bad guy is. You know, sure, why not? Like, those guys are scumbags. Like, is it yeah. actually using it to say something interesting about, like, religion? I mean, not really. Yeah. Like, the idea that he has this big rally in Madison Square Garden and he's going to get everybody riled up. You know, that could go somewhere, right? Are they going to, like, seize power or something? I don't know. But also, this thing is only 64 pages. So, you really... is. Well, isn't more... his ultimate plan is basically he has a machine where he can push a button and kill all the mutants? Right. 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 So again, you, you have you have that premise and it kind of just veers into like a supervillain plan. One thing. OK, one thing that I would like uh, minus all the times where the where the police officers jump in to heroically save the X-Men, which comes across as very silly. One thing I did like is when the person asks him why why he hates them so much. And his answer is because you exist, which I feel like is like a good evil extremist line. So, again, I'm on board with like the villain. But, yeah, it doesn't it, it's very mixed. It doesn't it doesn't really land. What do you think about the fact that he looks exactly like Mike Pence? You know, what's interesting is I don't know. What, yeah, I don't know whatever happens to this character because he doesn't die at the end of this. I could probably look it up on Wikipedia or something. So I don't know what ends up happening to him. He probably goes on to have more supervillain adventures. Well, they, they very loosely adapted him into one of the X-Men movies. That's true. The second X-Men movie, they adapt his evil uh, machine thing in, into one of the movies. Yeah. But they made him like uh, a rogue military guy rather than like a televangelist yeah yeah i guess yeah as a in the early 2000s i guess you gotta update your you know right super villain archetypes I, I i don't feel like updating from the evil televangelist who runs like who's like a, a multi 
millionaire is actually doesn't need an update. I think that's that's, yeah, that's, like, that's the part that's the part I'm on board with. I mean, yeah, it's definitely still a thing, but probably doesn't loom as large in the public consciousness as it did in the eighties. But yeah, I don't know, maybe I I'm sure if you look him up on like X Menopedia, he's probably showed up somewhere else. Yeah. So overall, Matt, uh, I think we're both kind of like sounds like you maybe liked it more than me, but I we both are kind of in agreement that God Loves Pan Kills is maybe not the uh, classic comic book that its reputation would suggest. Yeah, and I, I wonder if it's a thing of, you know, this came out in 1982, um, and I, I suppose the some of it probably seemed more, like, interesting at the time, like kind of like a little groundbreaking or whatever, um, maybe compared to some other stuff that was coming out. That's my supposition. Or, or like the, just the idea of having like a televangelist as the villain or something might have seemed a little more, um, you know, a little more interesting than than some other stuff that was coming out. I don't know. That's my that's like I said, that's just kind of my supposition. As I recall, Jack Kirby had a televangelist villain in the Fourth World series, which came out like six, that's seven, true. Eight, eight years before um, this. Yeah, who was uh, Funky? No, not Funky Flashman. It was Glorious Godfrey. Glorious Godfrey, yeah. Yeah, and Glorious Godfrey is an awesome character. Yeah, I think there are better X-Men comics. I kind of like the X-Men. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I kind of like the X-Men, but uh, I, I don't know if I would put this one on the put, put it up on the bookshelf. I was just going to recommend, like, an X-Men comic that uh, I actually did like. Um that I remember liking. So a recommendation would be an X-Men comic. And I was just thinking of doing a reread of this the other day, uh, but like Matt Fraction's run on the X-Men, which I actually oh. quite enjoyed. Okay. What's the premise of this? So the thing? premise is, and I, I don't, I, I believe it's, I think X-Men fans are kind of like Star Wars fans in that they are like diehard fans, but also hate everything. Um, except for like one thing. So I, I don't know if anyone, if, if X-Men, if Matt Fraction is considered like a good X-Men run by like the experts or whatever experts being a pun i guess um but anyway like so the, the premise is like they 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 build their own country like a breakaway nation on an island and um cyclops is like the their leader um so it's like they set up like their own country uh after the mansion gets destroyed for the umpteenth time okay so i'm um, you know i'm i thought it was fun i remember liking it a lot i was meaning to give it a reread but i remember liking it quite a bit Another episode of the Internet's only comic book podcast, Army of Crime. Matt, what should the people know about and or do after they finish listening to this episode? You can visit our website, armyofcrime.com. I'm on Twitter at Army of Crime. Dustin is on Twitter at Dustin4444. Right. Uh, leave us five stars review if you thought we made any good points or whatever. Um, you know, or just or just anyway, just because, yes, you know. Leave the five stars. That's what makes the, makes the algorithms happy. We are on, you know, wherever po good pods are cast. That's why our podcast is the best. <laughs>